0: Hiding place. So we're still going on the covenant names of God and in your chair, you should have found one of those cards. If you took one and lost it, take another one. If you got friends that can't come on Sunday morning, please take it. You got kids, give them one. We had, I think 5,000 made. And so there's still some to be passed around. And, and the idea of the hiding place is, is I was, I was praying about this, this, this message or this series. And I could remember being a kid and, and having a fort. Right. Parents, if you have boys and girls and you live in a decently safe place, let them go build something. Because it's awesome. So so the idea is, is that we built this and we talked about peace and turned the light on. If you're here last week, we had a slide coming off of it and somebody donated that slide. And if you're here, thank you so much. That slide was built for kids, not adults. And yeah, my hips are still bruised. Still had no skin on this thumb. But beyond that, hopefully you got the idea. But so so um, the hiding place, and we, we, we derive this idea from Psalms 91, 1 and 2. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will, <clears throat> I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So here's the, here's the statement that we've made for like four or five weeks now. When we're too important and too tough to recognize the fact that we all need a hiding place, we wind up hiding somewhere we shouldn't hide. Does that make sense? So if I'm, if I'm too important or I'm too good of a Christian or too good of whatever, that I've got it all going on. And, and I'm like, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need a hiding place because I got this. You'll wake up one day and you'll find yourself hiding somewhere that's getting you in trouble. Instead of taking, and so what? What is God saying to us right here in the covenant names of God? He's saying, "Look, in all of these covenant names, you will find an aspect of Me that is trying to relate to you who I want to be in your life." So we talked about Jehovah canoe, God our righteousness. We talked about Jehovah Shalom. We talked about uh, Jehovah Jireh, our Provider. And and you you get to a place where you you. You start seeing a characteristic of God. Because here's the thing. The church has done a really crappy job of teaching people who God is. And I'm, I've devoted my life to the church so I can say that. And you feel free to say it to me. I'll get better. But but what, what I'm saying is, is we know more about what we think God's against than who he wants to be in our life. And so he gives us all these covenant names. And, and so let's define covenant. Let's define covenant, a contract in the Bible, an agreement between God and his people in which God makes promises to his people. And so, yeah, you have his contract. So everything we see, touch, feel, smell, people we come in contact with was created by God. The Bible says he flung the stars into existence and calls them out by name. He carpeted the fields with grass. He, you know, he knows he's all on it. He knows everything. And so this God. Loved us so much that he cared to make a covenant with us. And that covenant can be found in the covenant names of God. And so today I want to talk to you about Jehovah Shama. Say Shama. Shama. It's just fun to say actually. It's Shama. Shama. Sounds like Donald Trump, doesn't it? Shama. Shoot that. Yeah. <clears throat> I said Shama. The ever-present one is what this means. Now watch this. So... Anytime you, the word Jehovah means I am that I am. I am that I am. When Moses, God says, Moses, go and tell him to let my people go. Moses says, well, who should I tell him to me? He said, you tell him that I am. To you. In other words, there needs to be no more discussion about who I am because I am. I am everything you know. So so when Jehovah is front in front of a covenant name of God, which are printed on those cards for you. What happens is, is you're saying, I am. So Shama means the ever-present one. So what God's saying to us today is, I am present in your situation. And see, that's where Christianity gets really fun. Because how many of us are sitting in these chairs right now going, I'm so busy. I didn't even want to be here. I got drug here. I'm thinking about, I got to do this. 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 I got to do that. Or maybe we're sitting here and we're struggling. And we're wondering if God even knows where we're at in our life. Like, things aren't working out. Bank account doesn't look good. Kids aren't acting, kids are acting like aliens. Let's just say it like it is. Teenagers take it to a whole nother level. I can say that. I've raised two of them. They're both grown. And they would laugh about that now. But, but whatever, like, maybe you're in a situation of your life where you're like, man, does God even remember me? Does God understand how I really feel about this situation? Does God really understand how it feels? The fact that, you know, I'm going through this. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you just sent your first kid off to a college in a foreign land. Maybe you just sent your second one off. I'm just kidding. I spent all weekend with him and he's awesome. But I do like being alone at the house every once in a while. It's fun. But but the, the fact of the matter is this. If we confess Christ as our Savior, then what we realize is this. All these covenant names are in the Old Testament. You know, we preach fun sermons sometimes, and then we try to learn. We always try to learn stuff. But hopefully through the covenant names of God, you'll really dig in. Because when I learn who God is to me, I can better relate that to someone else who's looking for a true God. Not what church says God should be, but what I know in my own heart at the coffee shop told you this before, I think the next big movement of God is going to happen one-on-one in fishing boats, in golf courses, and in coffee shops, where somebody cares enough about another person to say, you know what, let's just sit down and talk about what you're going through. I'm not going to shove the Bible down your throat, but I've studied to show myself approved. And let me tell you what, I, who I know God is. And so when you sit down with someone, they're like, God is like, you don't even know my zip code right now. Well, there's this covenant name of God, and don't use the word shama. Can you imagine going to work tomorrow? God our righteousness. Well, how do you know you're safe? Jehovah Sidkidu. It's like he just sneezed on somebody. Seriously, Sidkidu. It's like, whoa. <laughs> They're like, ah, cool, good. They're just like backing up from you. But, but the, the point being, if we understand who God is to us, we can relate that to other people who we've loved on and built a bridge to. So that at some point, God will open the door and we can tell them who God is to us. But if we don't know who God is to us, biblically speaking, because at Coastline we believe the Bible, so we just teach the Bible, then it's hard for us to do that. And then we feel inadequate. Then our palms start sweating. And then we're like, uh, can I buy you some coffee? And then the the conversation goes out the window. So the ever-present one, Jehovah I am. So God's saying this us right here. I am present in every situation that you may be in right now. I'm there with you. So we derive this name from Ezekiel. Ezekiel is an interesting book. Ezekiel the prophet. And God's just downloading a lot of information to Ezekiel. He's talking about the temple, which we'll get to in a bit. And and we become the temple. The New Testament says we are the temple of God. But watch this. The distance all around will be 18,000 cubits. And the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there. In other words... We get this idea of his presence being associated with the temple. Now, Jesus Christ embodied every one of these names. When God was fed up with humanity, he said, what can I do? So he sends his own son, Jesus. And if you read the New Testament, Jesus embodied every one of these covenant names. So you can't relegate Jehovah Shammah to the Old Testament because Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I was, I am, I am to come. So we'll get to that. So know that in Jesus, every one of the covenant names of God were made known. So God's going, I don't know what else to do with you guys, so I'm going to send my own son. And as Jesus lived his life, he lived every one of these names out. So, let, the ever-present one. Let's, let's define being present. In a particular place existing or occurring now. Wow. So, wherever I go today, I need to be acutely aware that God's with me. The ever-present present one. So let's dive into this. Number one, first of all, God is present in us. Ephesians 2, don't miss this. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So Paul's going back to Ezekiel saying, hey, look, here's the deal. And in, in the Old Testament, you read a lot about the meeting place of God and all these curtains they made. It confuses me. It doesn't confuse me because I've studied it, but it's hard reading. Paul's going, but wait a minute, in verse 22 he says, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So if you read the New Testament, you see the Bible says over and over and over and over how when we confess Christ as our Savior and we put our faith in him, we become the temple of God. How do we become the temple of God? We become the temple of God because the Bible's very plain saying the spirit of God indwells us. If you're struggling with this Christian journey thing, but you know you have faith, let me tell you what will rock your world. I dare you to live 24 hours knowing that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Because it will totally change the things you look at, the things you listen to, the things you say. It will tell you, and that's not legalistic. That's between you and God. That's one of those deals you're like, ah. And God, you know, and when you get close enough to God to really start like honing in on the fact, oh God, your Spirit has indwelt me. Then it becomes fun with you and God. Because God's not going to, he's not going to like, I'm taking my spirit out of you. That works. I mean, it's not Ghostbusters. like, no, he's like, but what he, he, the reason that he gave us his Holy Spirit is to lead us, guide us, direct us, counsel us. And so that we can actually have a relationship with him because we see all the Bible is God's love, love letter to us. Right? And I get so, I'm, I'm so enamored that people were are like, I don't deserve to read the Bible. Who does? Are, are only the pastors supposed to read the Bible? It's so stupid. So only God loved the pastor. No, I can tell you, he don't love me, so he does love me some days. But some days, he's like Jason. <laughs> so so the idea is, the Spirit of God is in us. First of all, we've got to Jehovah Shama. God is the ever-present one in me every day of my life. If you've got kids, you need to teach them that. If you you profess Jesus Christ as your Savior, look, this is what you bought into. You bought into the Spirit of God indwelling you. And some of you who, who are maybe teenagers now, I'll just, I won't talk about you, I'll talk about my own experience. I can remember being a teenager and doing things I wasn't supposed to do, which was a lot. Tons. More than I would like to admit. But I can remember having that feeling going, mm. Why was I having that feeling? Because the Spirit of God was in me going, hello, you do know I'm sitting here right now. Yeah, I don't want to think about that. Though. I'm, a good, you, I'm right here. Hello. Here's the idea. Jehovah Shammah, he is the ever-present one, and he is with us every day of our life. Look at this next scripture before we go into to the next point. Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three... Together in my name, there I am with them. For years, this has like been relegated to a church scripture. You may have read this like this and like, oh, praise the Lord, brother. We're at church and God's here. God's everywhere. Let's just be honest with one another. But what the scripture is actually teaching us is when you get together with two or three people of like faith and you join that faith, you can be assured that God is present in that moment. Talk about him. Talk about your faith. Talk about your journey. Talk about your problems. Get some people in your life where you really feel, like, freedom to say, hey, man, I need, this, I need God to move in this area of my life. God's saying, I'm going to be there. I will not let you down. I'll show up. So, yes, church is good. We should come to church, bring our kids to church. love my Jesus, we should come here to get excited about the next week. We should get fed, right? I mean, the Bible's on that. However, that's not what this is talking about. I love going fishing with people because well, I love going fishing. And I'll go with people. I don't have to pay for gas. (laughs) So true. Yeah, I'll bring the ice. (laughs) I hate that guy. There's always that one dude. Yeah, what can I... Yeah, I'll bring the ice. And you're going to be gone like all day in scorching sun. They show up like a three-pound bag of ice. And you're like, dude, just dump that out right now. That ain't going to help anybody at all. But I got, uh, you know... And I don't know if it's because I'm a pastor, but they'll say... They'll stop the boat coming out the port or whatever, the inlet, you know, once we get, let's, let's pray. And I'm like, Dude, I don't want to pray. I want to fish. I pray all the time. However, I've been in some situations in actual boats that I'm so glad we prayed. But I, I'm over there going, I'm praying selfish prayers like, God, I know he's a way better fisherman than I. Could you please show your servant favors today? Oh, has got my name on it, God. I know it does. Taking dominion over that. Anyway, here's the idea. When we live our life every day with the I I know that, that the Spirit of God dwells in me. It changes the way I live. It just does. It needs to. And if it doesn't, you gotta go back to square one and go, What's what's off here? And and it, it's not just church. It's friends, it's family, it's every day. It's tucking your little kid in bed at bed uh, A little kid in bed at night, going, Let me pray with you. It's those people you work out with, or it's those people that you're in a life group with, or there's people that you're in a book club with. It's like, here's, here's the deal. God's not just around on Sunday. He's ever present in us all the time, all the time. Next thing, number two. God is present throughout all of life's circumstances. Psalm 73, 23, we'll stop here, and then we'll read 24, 25, and 26. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. So here we have a God, and David's saying, look, you're always with me. So he's he's put his spirit inside of us, so he's dwelling inside of us. Therefore, life circumstance cannot determine God's presence in my life. Because we all know what it is to have sleepless nights, don't we? We all know what it is to have our business that we thought was going to be great go. We all know what it is to have kids, again, who act like aliens. We all know what it is to have relationships that let us down. That does not determine. You go through rough things in life, and you all know we do. Cause life leaks. But here's the deal: I can say, you know what? I'm not. I'm just going to think God's mad at me, or I'm going to let every circumstance. God, your presence is involved. You take me by my right hand. If you if you've ever raised toddlers, or maybe you have toddlers now, or you you've raised kids, um. You know, the the idea of them learning to walk is, like, awesome, isn't it? But it's so stupid in their eyes. Because here's what parents do. Come on. Come on. And they take a step. And we go nuts. And what happens is immediately they take a step. What happens next? Face plant city, dude. And you're on the phone calling your spouse going, she took a step. And they're over there they're crying, looking at you going, I'm not trying that again for a few weeks. And then you get home from work, and you're like, they didn't walk me. They did. No, they didn't. Now, I'm sure everybody takes pictures, but back, like, when Raina and I had kids, you actually had that. There's these things called video cameras. Yeah. And you had to charge them and put a tape in. And then you had to turn the thing. It took, like, five seconds to wake them up. And by then, the kid's already face-planted. It's just done. But... But I can remember. So Dylan started working. My son, who's 19 now, he started walking. At, and I'm going somewhere with this. He started walking a little bit past six months. So his cranium, yeah, Wild's right. Yeah, and he he ain't stopped since. His cranium wasn't like together. And and my wife has always been like a studious person of her children, which is great because I just throw throw them somewhere. And, so this is even before Google. I know that's weird for some of you, right? She's like reading books. He can really, his head can really get hurt. I'm like, baby, he's God's kid. I look at all these other kids. Yeah, they're not walking yet because Dylan would get put in the, the 0 to 12 nursery, and he's walking around bopping them on the head. <laughs> he's like, bam. <laughs> I'm the man. So our, one of our really good friends was this pediatrician. I said, Rainey, if you're that worried about it, just go see Dr. Ken thinking in my mind that she's overreacting, which I know she never does, but at this moment I'm thinking she's way overreacting. So she goes to see Ken. She's like, look. And Ken's like, he's walking? And she's like, he's not only walking. like He's kind of running slash falling all the time. I'm really worried about it. He's going to like, something's going to happen. Is there anything we can do? you got to let him be a kid. Let him walk. And then she goes, but is there anything we can do? And Ken goes, yeah, you can make him wear a helmet all the time. So Raina's like, yeah, yes. I get home from work, Raina's like, we got to go to the store. And I'm like, wow, well, we got to buy a helmet. I said, did you buy me a motorcycle? She's like, no, Dr. Ken said get a helmet. I said, Raina, there's no way on this side of heaven that I'm going to put a helmet on my kid inside his own house. So I get on my phone, call Ken, hey, did you jump? And he starts laughing hysterically. He's like, dude, I was totally kidding. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> but one of my favorite things to do is to get home from work and grab grab either one of my kids, and they're both right handed. And this, this scripture really ministers to me because I grabbed their hand and and ran and stayed at home with them. So I give her a break. I grabbed their hand, it was very soft. Remember that feel of you like a toddler's hand, like that just unbelievable. And even the diaper smell can't wear out the baby smell. I like
1: I think they almost mix
0: together. And so I can remember grabbing them and like this, this, and, and they're doing this, and they're doing this. But they would try to go a lot farther if they knew I had their hand, right? And I was having much more fun than they were. You remember those days? Like, here, come on, let's do this. That's what God wants to do for us. That's what Jehovah's Sham was about. It's about days of life where we've exhausted every, every avenue and opportunity. And God's saying, hey, look, would you just reach up and let me take you by your right hand? Because you're making a mess of this. And if you'll allow me, I'll lead you. If you go to verse 24, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you take, you will take me into glory. So you guide me with your counsel. The Bible says that one of the names for the Holy Spirit is apparently paraclete. That's a counselor. And then it talks about take me into glory. That's heaven. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has not, nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God in the strength of my heart and my, you are my the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In other words, whatever circumstance I'm going through, I have a direct line to the God who created everything, and I can see because we all have that inner kid. You might say you don't, and you might be tough and all that, but you know as well as I know, we all need to be approved of. And there are days where we feel like nobody, under, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands this, right? That's the inner child going, So turn that around, reach up to God and say, hey, Lord, Lord, I I, I recognize I'm not that tough. I need you today. Would you take me by my hand and would you lead me every day? Like, lead me today, God, because I'm feeling weak. I'm tired. Like, things in my life aren't good. And so that's what David's saying right here, saying, look, God does that for me. He's writing, a lot of these psalms that are written are written at a time of, Francis, getting chased, shot at, like, yeah, with a bow. <laughs> yeah. So um, so anyway, so you, you think just for a second here, and we look at this idea of God being our refuge and then being present. And so go to go to point three. Just keep going. Yep. So, Jehovah Shammah, God is already present in your tomorrow. He's awesome. This will mess you up. Because we love to worry about tomorrow, don't we? We should plan. And my wife's taught me to plan. And the only reason I plan, because I hate planning meetings, but the only reason I do plan, because it makes my home life much better because she has the need to know, and so do my employees. And so I have to plan. I'm like, we should not trust God today. And she's like, yes, we're going to trust Him to give us a plan. Kill <laughs> me. Kill me right now. But think about how much we worry about the unknown of tomorrow. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, yesterday, and today, and today, and then tomorrow, forever, in my future. So God is already present. Jehovah Shammah, the ever-present one, is present in tomorrow because he spans time. And so if the bank account doesn't look that great on Sunday night, don't wake up and check it again Monday morning knowing you ain't got paid yet. Go to God and say, God, you're already in Monday morning. You're already there. And so I'm going to allow you to pull me into that. I'm going to allow you to be God in my tomorrow, and I'm not going to worry about it. What, a, what an amazing concept. Because I don't know about you, and I've shared this with you a lot, I, have, I can have a tendency to worry. I don't, but I could have. Right? Yeah, if you come on, you're pretty quick. And you're... And you forget it. All right, so I just spent a whole night not sleeping, thinking, what if this happens? And I wake up, the sun comes up, the birds are chirping, my dog wants to play, I got food in the refrigerator, I have a job. And it's like, I spent all that time worrying and God's already there. Like, he's already gone before. So, So, keep going. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The Lord himself. So, let's... Let's not confuse who we're talking about here. The Lord himself will, what? Go before you. He goes before you and will be with you. So you see all throughout the Old Testament where the tabernacle's moved and the cloud and the Lord goes before them at night and day, but he never leaves them and, or forsakes them. I mentioned football when we started the service. Was that the service? That I, yeah, yeah, Gosh, they'll probably never they won't win another game this century probably, but they're 3-0 right now. So, I got an opportunity yesterday. Yesterday was opening day of deer season. And so, I met my son out at least that we have, and he's in college now, so I I don't get to spend any time with him. And we, for 24 hours, like, we painted our faces up, and, you know, it was awesome. We got muddy, and we didn't kill anything. Well, we did, and I can't tell you what. (laughs) We didn't kill any deer. So, anyway, and I know some excellent, I'm sure somebody just said that. Okay, Uh, God gave us dominion over those animals. Anyway, so... (laughs) It's a fact. Um, And don't let me get that point. But so, Dylan had a research paper done. So we left. We broke camp around noon. I came here and studied for a bit. And I went home. And Rayna's like, what are you doing home? I thought you guys were kind of, had a paper. and So I watched football. It was awesome. I don't get to watch much football. But I will tell you this. Raina's idea of much football and mine are two totally different things, right? So Anyway. There were certain teams yesterday that ran the ball really, really, really well. And and I like to like watch, actually watch the game, be a student of the game, you know. And start watching all these guys that are running the ball well. Obviously they're great shape or whatever, but they're running the football through these holes that are like 10 feet wide. And they're fast. So by the time they get through the hole, they're 80 yard touchdown. Yeah, and I'm thinking. You know, I'm 43, but I still got something going on, right? And I'm like, give me the helmet, right? Yeah. We didn't get one for Dylan. Let's give me one. Because I'm watching some of these football games. And I'm like, anybody could do that. My grandma could have ran some of those touchdowns. It's like the seed partying right in front of the running back. Because there was an offensive line that did their job. They did their assignment, and they made way for that running back to be like, Now, if an offensive lineman can do that, don't you think God can do that for us? The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. So even though he's already in tomorrow, he's still with me today because he was, he is, and he is to come. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. In other words, don't fret. And don't be discouraged. See, because circumstance of life, if we don't put it all in God's hand, can discourage us. Now, we all go through seasons of discouragement, right? I mean, if you've walked with God or if you've been alive, any, but we should not live in a perpetual state of discouragement. There's nothing more unattractive to the world than a Christian that complains all the time. Because, right. <laughs> you know, somebody's looking at you at work going, so, I'm miser- it's Monday and I'm miserable because I got hammered last night. You're miserable and you went to church yesterday and you got all these bumper stickers and you got stuff in your cubicle talking about God. I think I'll get hammered again next Saturday night because you're miserable. I had fun last night. You don't look like you had too much fun at church. So, so the discouragement. Don't, we go through things, but don't, don't get in a constant state of discouragement. We're not careful. We will allow life circumstance to get us there. So much so, I know none of you have ever done this. I've literally been in Publix before, and people are so—I na- love Publix. Those are my people. I know them all by name. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hey, Miss Jones, on, but I, I've like been walking down the meat aisle, and I've—I've I've seen this happen more than once in the store. I'll use Publix as an example. And somebody pick up a piece of steak. And you remember, you know, you used to be able to get steak for, like, not much money. Now it's, it's totally ridiculous. But pick it up. Can you believe how much this steak is? Like, they want other people to hear them. <laughs> yeah, because it's posted right on the steak. <laughs> Can you read? Yes. Okay, so we're ginning. We're good. <clears throat> but but that whole idea of just having being discouraged about everything. And, and one time, there was this one person that attends church here, and, and uh, they're not here today. I looked for them, but I think they were in one of the other services. And yeah. I'm standing back watching, and they're just, like, almost cussing up a storm because of how much the steak was. And I seriously wanted to go over and go, no one's making you buy that steak. It's like the meat guys back there with the cleaver going, you got to get that. <laughs> you have to get that 20 $20. But you know what? Circumstance of life can get us in a perpetual state of discouragement until one day we wake up and we're, we're oh, i got to answer that call. Oh, the fish didn't bite. Would you have a good time? No, the fish didn't bite. You know what? Were you on the water? Yeah. Was the sun out? Yeah. Did you drown? No. You see what I'm saying, though? If we're not careful, hear this if you have children. And pay attention to how they talk and how their body language is. Because if you start noting a negativity, noticing a negativity discouraged spirit in them, and they're saying things like, well, that coach is stupid, or that teacher doesn't like me. First of all, you tell them, your pastor never had a teacher that liked him. He turned that (laughs) right. Who do we have to blame that our kids talk that way? So you got You got to check the grill you got to start looking around, check the mirror, and go, wait a minute. Like, I produced this in my child. I need to correct this. And it doesn't get corrected overnight. But if I live with a discouraged spirit all the time, my kids are going to pick up on that. They're going to see the glass is half empty instead of half full, and it just takes that form. And, and we've got to be careful of that. We totally have to be careful of that. So circumstance doesn't uh, discount or count the presence of God. Last thing, number four. God was present on the cross. We know that again, God gives us these covenant names in the Old Testament, and then we come into this this thing called the New Testament. And God says, "You know what? I'm going to send my only Son, and and this thing's going to happen." Jesus says, "I'll go," and gives His only life. The Bible says, it's "a ransom for many." So last year, I read I, I read a lot by virtue of what I do. Um, I can tell you quite a bit about different religions in the world, and you know some of the mumbo jumbo. But I, I read a lot of blogs, and you know, reading's hard for me. I'm not like a natural reader. My, my wife and my my daughter's published a book. I reads like all the time. I like just can read. And I have to really focus. Like, I, And then I'll read like three pages and forget what I just read, and then I get really discouraged. And I'm like, forget this. <laughs> doing this. But I, I do my line of work. So I'm, I'm reading this. I come across this blog from this pastor, and I won't, I won't tell you where he's from. But he's obviously been educated beyond his intelligence. So he writes this whole article on how God was so great that Jesus wasn't really present in the temple, getting beat, and on the cross. So somehow God just put a robot inside of Jesus, and until it was time for Jesus to say, it is finished on the cross... He didn't experience any pain. Never mind what Isaiah says. Never mind what multiple scriptures in the Bible say. This guy's convinced that God's so good that Jesus wasn't even there. Like he was there in body, but he wasn't. He didn't feel anything. It's the most asinine thing. I, and it, it made me so mad because I've given my life to the, that's the tenet of my faith. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross for me. Hello. Pretty elementary. And for anyone to diminish the fact of the, 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 Suffering that Christ went through makes me mad. I can't tell you he died on the cross for me. I can tell you he's not still on the cross. I can tell you that it was the love of God that caused that to happen because God loved us so much. I can't tell you, I believe they placed him in a grave, he rose from that grave on the third day, and he's in heaven, coming back for us one day. That's what I believe because that's what the Bible says. Can't, I'm not going to argue the Bible with you, that's what it says so it was the love of God that allowed him to send Jesus Christ to do that. Now watch, God was present at the cross. God came up with the idea to send his only son for us. But it was his love that allowed him to do it. Now these years later after Paul, the New Testament church is growing. So here Paul says in Romans, Paul has a light bulb moment because he's going here and planting churches and he's getting persecuted and he's getting beat and he's getting kicked out of cities. So when you read stuff that Paul wrote, you ought to pay attention because he kept doing what God called him to do even through persecution. So now you get to Romans eight thirty eight. after this amazing chapter of Romans 8 and Paul has this light bulb moment and he basically says a few things right here that had nothing to do with early on in the chapter. He's just like, bam, I get and this way it says, "For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that, that is where in Christ Jesus. So the love of God takes form in Jesus, and Jesus lays down lays down His life. And at this point, we understand the love of God in our life." thing. you got to do something with that. If you're really going to read the Bible and you're really going to say, yeah, okay, I, I'm starting to believe this stuff, then at some point you got to understand, how do I find the love of God through in Christ Jesus? No one comes to the Father except through the Son. And I love this. Nor anything else in all creation. There's no clause. There's no clause in the Scripture. There's nothing that says, well, maybe if you're bad enough is not going to love you. Oh, well, you know what? Maybe if you came from a broken family. God's not really into that. Maybe if you don't have a lot of money, the uh, church probably don't want you because you have to dress like that. Nothing in all of creation, nothing, there's no clause there. It's done. I love that about Romans 8, 38 and 39. Nothing in all creation can separate me from the love of God. And this is why he's Jehovah Shammah, he's the ever-present one, and when he showed up at the cross, he said to all of humanity, I'm doing this, Jesus said I'm doing it for my father, because he's in the garden, right, not my will but your will be done, and God it's like and, and to think think about God at this moment, looking at humanity going, hey guys here's my son because in me, I'm going to say God was like, maybe stood back and went, I don't know what else to do. Because we overcomplicate, we complicate salvation, and we make it into all these things. It's not it's a faith issue. God said, I love you so much that I sent my only son. Jesus said, I did the will of the Father. If you put your faith in me, the Bible says you have eternal life. Your journey starts, and then there's different levels that you grow in. It's fun. It's like growing a garden, and you get your hands dirty in your spiritual life. You start reading the Bible for the first time, maybe get in a life group, and, and you start talking about Jesus with your kids at night. And at first they'll think you're really weird, but I promise you, they they will remember it for the rest of their life. They'll never forget mom or dad sitting down going, You know how much Jesus God loves you? Loved you so much He gave His only Son. Nothing can separate us from that love. So Coastline Community Church exists to share that love outside of any agenda whatsoever. God has blessed our church so much, and I believe part of the reason is, is that we are here to introduce people to a journey of Christianity. And the Bible is very plain to say, the only way to the Father is through the Son. So the question is, have have you asked Jesus into your heart? Have you put your faith into Jesus as the Messiah? See, we all have a measure of faith. The Bible says we all get a measure of faith, and we get to decide what to do with that. You can't, nobody else, no other person can put your faith in Jesus for you. Man, if that was the case, I'd probably be doing something else. Because i just go, I put my faith in God for you. Let's all go fishing. Let's go play that sinner's game called golf. <laughs> nah, look, here's the deal. If you're here today and life's not quite working out, just tell you, one of the greatest decisions you can ever make in your life is to say, "Okay, God, I'm giving in. I'm taking my hands off the steering wheel, and and I feel I feel that pounding in my heart. You know how the Holy Spirit works on us. And, and right now, I'm saying, I need Jesus in my life. And so, um, and we can help you with that decision. That's between you and God, and only you can make that decision. Only you can. And it's a beautiful thing, man. It's it's so awesome. So would you bow your head? Nobody's moving around. As you have to if you're going to the tent to meet people that raise their hand hey if you, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today you want to put your faith in the fact that you're saying alright right now uh, on this on September 20th I'm going to declare in my heart I believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah I believe he was born of a virgin I believe he lived a sinless life I believe he took my death and sinned to the cross I believe they placed him in a grave and I believe he rose from that grave on the third day and I believe he's coming back for me one day so right now I'm confessing that I believe that. Nobody else is believing that for me. I'm confessing that I believe that. And I know that I need that love and that grace and that mercy to flood my soul. If that's you, nobody's looking around. Throw your hand up quick. I want to pray with you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. hand. It's awesome. I see your hand. That's cool. Look, I'm going to pray with you. Do me a favor. Go out to the tent. Get a Bible. Get a devotion. Talk to somebody you've been saved in the last couple weeks or maybe you raised your hand today there's a class that goes on during their second service back here in the children's wing go online get some information about it I'll teach you more about christianity if you're not comfortable talking to people about it you can email Point at thecoastlinechurch.com and the pastor will get back with you but right now the most important thing is you just took a step of faith And my bible tells me that by virtue of you acknowledging. Doesn't mean perfect life and everything's going to be hunky-dory. It just means that you're not going to go through life alone. So as Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So that's you. And you would say, you know what, Jason, that's me. You've already raised your hand. Pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me. Thank you that I'm even in this chair today. Lord, I know I've kind of made a mess out of some things, but I feel your love right now. and So I'm confessing. I'm, I'm singing right now. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sown the cross. I believe he, he, he was placed in the grave and he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe with all my heart he's looking out for me today. So thank you for a fresh start. Thank you for a starting point. thank you that you're going to put people around me to help me maybe in some areas of my life that I need to shift gears in. God, most of all, thank you for your forgiveness, your love, your grace, and your mercy.